0: Welcome to the to Amazing Podcast. This is Tony Mays. I am uh, very happy to have a, uh, a retired member of the United States military with me today who has a, a new book out on the leadership lessons that he's learned. His name is Lieutenant Colonel Oak McCullough and he is a, a long-term 23-year career in the United States Army, uh, various civilian jobs that followed that. His, uh, his uh, kind of quote that he He leads with, in his book, is Today's Leaders Have a Responsibility to Inspire the Leaders of Tomorrow, and there's a lot that goes into that, and we're going to hope to unpack some of that today. I'm very excited to have him on here, very appreciative for the time that he has served in our military, and I look forward to hearing more about that, as well as his ideas and, 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 and servant leadership uh, focus that he has had throughout his career. So his book, and I'll put a picture of it up along with uh, the YouTube video, is called Your Leadership Legacy, Becoming the Leader You Were Meant to Be. It came out on February 12th of this year. I highly recommend picking it up, and uh, it's a great read. It's a, it's a good read of, of the ideas that go into that, and we're going to unpack that today. So uh, he shares some common sense principles that every current and aspiring leader can use. Experiences from his childhood and adult careers frame the leadership legacy is personally passed down to countless others. As Oak likes to say, great leadership handed down from generation to generation is what develops great nations. And I, I'm probably going to keep calling you Colonel here. Uh, my brother, my brother, uh, his father-in-law is a retired lieutenant colonel from the Marine Corps. So we're on kind of a first name basis. He calls me Tony and I call him Colonel. So. <laughs>
1: That's, okay. That's okay, Tony. Thanks for having me on the show. I really appreciate that you, you took the time to, to have me on the show and that you're reading the book and, and yep. look forward to, to talking about leadership. That I, I really is my passion
0: right now in my life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Glad to have you. So how did you, uh, uh, where does, where does Oak McCullough come from? Uh, and and kind of help me understand your, the beginnings to your Army career, kind of set the stage for how you became a leader and how you grew into that.
1: Okay. So I grew up in Northern Illinois, so not too, too far, probably from where <laughs> you, uh, you yep. live. And uh, which is why I live in Florida, because I'm not living <laughs> in like that anymore.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I grew
1: up in Northern Illinois, I played baseball, basketball, football through okay. uh, junior high and high school. And I was always the captain of my team or I was the president of student government or, hmm. um, you know, all kinds, of, just leadership positions, Boy Scouts, all those kinds of things. So uh, I knew I wanted to be a leader. And then I got a chance to, uh, to I won an uh, Army ROTC scholarship uh, to help me pay for school, I, I went off to West Point for a couple for a couple of years, uh, came home, helped helped around uh, with the business uh, that my father owned and, and so I got and- to
0: dig into that a little bit first. So it, it sounds like in high school, I mean, it, leadership was just something you did. It wasn't it, it came natural to you.
1: Yeah, I did. I, I, I was always, you know, it, it seemed like something that was natural to me. And, mm-hmm. and, and I, whether I was the leader or, you know, I, I always was selected to be the leader, but people followed yeah. me anyway. So, I, you know, yeah. and I would tell people there are two types of leaders. There's the ones who have the title and then the ones that people actually follow. Yeah. <laughs> and yep. and yep. hopefully you can be both. You can have the title and people will follow you. Sure. But in the end, that people select who their leaders are going to be.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm okay great so did you uh you mentioned you worked with the family's business a little bit what kind of business was that
1: uh my father owned a bar uh, okay so he he owned a bar for a little bit and then i just finished up rotc mm-hmm. in, in a small town in decal uh about mm-hmm. 12 miles from where i grew up
0: northern illinois and, yeah.
1: yeah and so that way i could um uh, could help with uh, still help with the business while it's going to school and doing ROTC. And I met my wife there. Uh, we've been married 34 years now and she was in army right. ROTC. She was an army nurse. Okay. So, um, so she, so, you know, it all worked out
0: well. How was your, how was the transition to more uh, in, in ROTC or not necessarily, it's not like a formal army experience, but you do have, you do, learn about the Army in ROTC and what it means to take orders and and follow orders and things like that. Was that a little bit different for you versus high school when you were predominantly in more of a leadership role?
1: Yeah, it it was a little bit, although, um, you know, again, it just kind of came natural to me and I enjoyed Mm -hmm. being in a leadership position and I did a lot of things to help develop that. And one of the things I always tell people is if you're trying to develop yourself as a leader, never, ever, ever turn down a leadership position. If somebody wants you to be the leader, be the leader. Mm-hmm. I always tell my cadets, you know, when I was teaching uh, my cadets uh, in ROTC, I, I come in, I'd say, okay, I need somebody to lead this, this project. And I expected every single hand to go up. And if mm-hmm. it didn't, then I was questioning, why are you here? If you don't want to yeah. be the leader, then why are you here? Because that's what
0: we're doing. Because the minute you get in the Army, you're going to be in a leadership role,
1: right? That's right. And the only way to get better at leading is to lead. I Mm -hmm. I can tell you how to be a leader all day. We can have classes. We can do all that. (laughs) But in the end, if you don't lead, you're not going to get better at it. It's that old saying practice makes perfect is absolutely true, even when it comes to that.
0: What was the difference for you between West Point and Northern Illinois?
1: So, you know, West Point, of course, is seven days a week. You know, 24 sure. hours a day, yeah. seven days a week, 365 days a year. Somebody's telling you when to get up, when to go to bed, <laughs> when to eat, how to make your bed, how to clean your room, what to wear. In Northern Illinois an ROTC, ROT is, ROTC is not that way. You know? And, days I, week, and right? I, I do the recruiting for Army ROTC now at, at, uh, at a university here in Daytona Beach, Florida. And one okay. of the things I always tell them is, you, know, you, you still get to walk out with that gold bar on your shoulder so you're still a second lieutenant, the same as somebody mm-hmm. who graduated from an academy. But you get to you get to enjoy your your college life a little bit more and you get to make some choices and do some things because you're not we're not going to tell you 24 hours a day how to do things. Sure. And I think I think there's you know, I'm not saying one is better than the other. And I never try to tell people one's better than the other. I just always tell people, make sure yep. you know what you're asking for when yep. you choose the, the 24 hour a day thing, because sure. it's not for everybody.
0: <laughs> sure. Sure. So what, what, uh, just keep going with your story if you can. And yeah, so
1: I, I, I graduated from ROTC. I I got commissioned uh, a second Lieutenant in the. what year was this 1986. Okay. And I got commissioned as an infantry officer. So I did my first five years in the infantry and then at, and during those first five years, uh, I, I got was deployed for Desert Shield, Desert Storm sure. during the first Gulf War, 1990-91. My brother-in-law um,
0: was a Marine at the time and deployed as well. So, yeah. yeah.
1: yeah. And, then, and then I also did uh, Hurricane Hugo relief in Charleston because I was stationed okay. at Fort Stewart, Georgia. And when Hurricane Hugo came through and devastated Charleston, my unit got activated to go up there and, uh, and work for about 90 days okay. um, in Charleston. Then I sw- at, when I, once I made captain, I switched over and I became an armored cavalry officer, okay. and um, and then I was uh, I, I did hurricane relief in uh, South Florida during Andrew, okay. and and then um, later on I became a uh, when I became a major um, a senior captain and a major I was deployed to Europe for, in support of uh, operations in Bosnia and okay. then it was uh deployed in a peacekeeping role in uh in Kosovo. So those were my, my deployments, my operational and uh,
0: there's a lot of stuff I want to ask you about that but I do want to keep you to your you know to our subjects maybe we'll have you on again someday and we can go back into some that's, of that stuff but it's got to be a heck of a lot of fun to drive an M1 I'm guessing right? <laughs> it, 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 you know I, I always
1: told people because I always all my infantry buddies gave me a hard time when I switched over from being infantry to armor. And I said, sure. Well, why carry your weapon when your weapon can carry you? I, exactly. said, I, yep. <laughs> I, I, I wisened up a little bit, but you know, <laughs> I love being an infantry officer and I love being an armored cavalry officer. So sure. I, I always tell people in my 23, I wouldn't trade a single minute of my 23 years in the
0: army. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure. So, uh, keep, keep going then if you, if you could, uh, you're married the whole time as well. How many kids do yeah, you have? Well, I've been
1: married for, for 34 years with to my wife. Um, and, uh, you know, she got commissioned before I did. So she always outranked me.
0: Oh, sure. Sure.
1: But when I was, yeah. when I was we were <laughs> on active duty and people said, you know, once I, once she got out at, the, uh, once we started having children and she decided she was going to get out and I actually, then I got, I got a rank that was higher than her. She said, Somebody told me one time and said, "Now you outrank your wife." I said, "Listen, I know everyone." It doesn't matter yep. I get to. Yep. There's if a reason I stay married. married yeah. Married yeah. yeah. But <laughs> but we've we got two children. I've got a son who has a four, four about a six month old grandson for us, and okay. then I've got a, a daughter who has our seven year old granddaughter and our four year old grandson.
0: Awesome. Awesome. Congrats. Yeah. When did you, uh, so what were the last few years of your uh, service? What did those look like?
1: Right. So um, my last few years, I was, uh, I was uh, an instructor at the United States um, Army Command General Staff College at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas, where I was teaching majors um, mm-hmm. how, to, how to be uh, operations officers and XOs at the battalion Correct. and brigade level. Then I got selected uh, to be an instructor at the Australian Staff co- Command Staff College. So I got to go over the, to Canberra, Australia for two years and got to be the uh, exchange officer there and mm-hmm. you know, got to teach some amazing, uh, Austra- not only Australian, but people from all over the world. Um, sure. They do their their, their staff co- colleges a little different than ours. Mm-hmm. But, uh, and then my last assignment on active duty I ran, I ran an Army ROTC program as a professor of military science at the University of South Alabama in Mobile. Okay, great. And then when I retired in 2009, I was the associate director of a food bank in Mobile. And a mm-hmm. uh, great organization, did great things, but when really wasn't me, and when they yeah. offered me yeah. to come and do the recruiting for the Army ROTC program here in Central Florida, I jumped on that opportunity. And I always tell people, it's tough to come to Daytona Beach, Florida, but somebody has to do it. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that sounds really rough. That sounds really yeah, rough. I took one for the team. I, yeah. <laughs> Where had you retired before? I guess you had been in Alabama pretty yeah, much the whole time. we stayed in Mobile, and
1: we absolutely loved Mobile, and it was it was yeah. a tough decision for my wife and I to leave Mobile because uh, we did absolutely love it there. We had some great friends. We That was the first place we ever bought a house because we always lived. Sure. You know, we knew we were going to move every two years, so we never bought a house until we were ready to to settle down. And uh, so it was, it was a tough decision for us to move. It really mm-hmm. was.
0: Mm-hmm. So what inspired you to, to write the book and and start to publish some of your, some of your, the lessons you've learned? Yeah. So when
1: I was a professor of military science um, and I would go around and I talked to high school students mm-hmm. and college students, I, you know, I would talk to sports teams and I talked to the business uh, school and different places that needed leadership. Sure. And, and I would always ask them, you know, what, so what do you want to do? What do you want to be? And a lot of people would say, well, I want to be the leader. I want to lead things. And I said, okay, so what does that mean? What does that look like? What does it take to be a leader? And especially at the high school level, I get this deer in the headlights. You know, <laughs> they, they, I just want knew. to be in charge kind yeah, of. Them. Well, yeah. they knew they wanted to be, but they had <laughs> no idea what it took to be a leader and they sure. had no idea of what, what they were going to have to do uh, mm-hmm. once they were the leader. So I came up with a presentation that's a, you know it can be anywhere from 45 minutes to 2 hours depending on how 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 much time I've got and what you want and all those kinds of things so um so I've been given that leadership lecture since 2006 and I tell people all the time I could probably do it in my sleep and <laughs> sure a couple times I've given it so many times yeah but uh but that's really what drove the the book cuz then I figured and again at this point in my life it I my passion is to help as many young men and women become the leaders that they should be, that -hmm. they want to be, um, that they should be, um, Mm -hmm. as I can. And I knew if I wanted to reach more people, I had to write a book. Um, Mm -hmm. and so I, I I turned it into a book and I started writing the book last February about the 16th of February and the book was published on the 12th of February. So it took me almost a year from the day I started to the day I published the book. And, and, and then I, I, I also one of the reasons I wrote the book is because I'd still like to get out on some speaking engagements and and go talk mm-hmm. to people because again I, I just want to get out there and talk to people and help them become develop into the leaders that they were meant to be and sure. and so that that's really what drove this is 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 getting getting my passion and get, getting it out there and talking to people that's what I really absolutely yep absolutely so what does leadership mean to you to to me it's all about selfless service I, I mean. I, you know, in, in my presentation and in the book, but certainly the first thing I talk about in the presentation is if you don't understand that leadership is not about you, mm-hmm. then you're never going to be a good leader. And, and you know, in the in the book, I, you know, the chapter, I, the first chapter is, or the second chapter uh, after the introduction and all that is it's it's all about you. It's not about you. It's Mm -hmm. all about you in that it's the things that you have to do to be a good leader. It's not about you in that we didn't make you the leader so that you can have better, more privileges, live in a nicer Mm -hmm. house, get a bigger paycheck, drive a nicer car. Now, one of those things happen when you're the leader and good for you if it does, but that's Mm -hmm. not why we made you the leader. We made you the leader so that you can better serve those who work for you on your team and those that you work for. That's why we made you the leader, mm-hmm. you know, and, and one of the one of my favorite quotes is a quote by Jack, uh, Jack Welch, uh, who he says, you know, when 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 you were made a leader, you weren't given a crown. You were given <laughs> the responsibility to bring out the best in others. That's really what leaders do. Um and so to me, it's all about selfless service. And if, and if you don't understand that, you're never going to be a leader.
0: So kind of Out a of, humility, humility thing, uh, as well as servant leadership right. type focus. Yeah. Yeah. Cause,
1: cause it, it's, again, it's not about you and, and I, you know, and now in the business I'm in recruiting and helping develop the future lieutenants in the army, I, you know, one of the things I always tell them, I love to go to their commissioning ceremonies. And one of the things I always tell every one of them, if I get a chance, is <laughs> you know, that to enjoy today because today is all about you it's a great day Mm -hmm. in your life you'll remember this day for as long as you live I can remember the day I got commissioned like it was yesterday Mm -hmm. I said but after today it is never going to be about you ever again it's about you it's about your soldiers it's about your unit it's about the mission it's about the army Mm -hmm. it's about the country then if we have time we might talk about you if we have time
0: do you find a lot of guys have a hard time swallowing that in the long term?
1: You know, I, I, I don't think they do at the, at the beginning. I, I don't, yeah. under, I don't think, I think some of them don't understand. Yeah, but it might take a little while to, yeah. That's right. I don't think they really understand the responsibility <laughs> they're about to get into. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the ones that do, uh, do very good job and, and they continue in the army and do great things for the army <clears> and the country. Some of them, uh, who do decide they want to get out and use all that great leadership in the civilian world. And that's okay too, because we need hmm. good leaders in the civilian world just like we do in the army. But then some of them just, they, they realize that once they're in there that this is not really for them and they didn't understand what they were really biting off and, uh, and they get out as soon as they can and, and move on.
0: And that's okay. That's yeah. nothing wrong with that yeah. either. Yeah. They still put in their, they put still put in their years and gave their service. So that's right. and
1: And, and hopefully they helped somebody along the way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Where do you take it from there? Leadership wise? What's the next step for you? So
1: I always tell people, you know, besides being selfless service is that you have to understand that leadership is leadership. You know, I get asked quite often to come talk to an organization or spend the day in an organization, whether it's a, an athletic team or a college organization or a business. And they'll say, can you just come take a look? You know, we're having some issues and just come take a look and see what, what, uh, what we could do better. And some people, you know, when I come up there, they say, well, you don't know anything about this business, so you don't know how to lead in this <laughs> business. You don't even know how to lead in the military. And I say, are you kidding me? Leadership yeah. is leadership. It doesn't matter what business you learned it in or where you practiced it. If you know how to lead, you can lead. I, you know, what, hmm. one of the things I always say is I hate hospitals. I don't know anything <laughs> about hospitals. I hate hospitals because there's bad people trying to give me shots and stuff. Yeah. I don't wanna go into a hospital at all, but if you put me in charge of a hospital tomorrow, I guarantee I can run it Hmm. because I know how to lead. Leadership is leadership. And and I proved it in the food bank. I knew nothing about a food bank. And Hmm. when I took over as the associate director, I was running the day-to-day operations of that food bank. And we, in the 18 months that I was there uh, as the uh, associate director, we increased the amount of food that we handed out from 1.2 or 1.8 million pounds of food in a year to 3.2 million pounds of food so i mean leadership is leadership and you got to understand that if if because the civilian world out there is hungry for leaders Mm -hmm. you know not only the military and i I always tell people look military we you know we're going to teach you all kinds of great things that the civilian world wants all that and Mm -hmm. you know whether you're ready whether you want to leave or not they're going to come and ask you to leave because Yep. They want that. You know, taught, not only taught you, but we give yep. you no experience to do.
0: Well, and I don't think most companies are very good at doing leadership level training for their people and helping yeah. them with that advancement path. And I know the companies that I've worked for, um, uh, or well, not, not my current company necessarily, but previous companies have, they paid lip service to it and they put you into training programs, but they don't necessarily enable success and, and support you as you walk that leadership growth journey. Right. Well, you know, and one of the
1: things that I, that I'm, I'm putting out right now is, uh, I, I would love to come and talk to companies. Sure. Uh, and I've, got, sure. I've got, I've got, I don't have any companies yet lined up. I'm trying, but mm-hmm. I, you know, I've got a couple of football teams that, that across the, the country who are talking about having me come talk to their, their teams. I've got a, a couple universities who, uh, who are talking, have talked about having me come talk. the student body whoever wants to come and you know some select people um so hope and and a couple of law enforcement agencies as well Um, Mm -hmm. and hopefully that all works out but i'd love to go talk to companies because it really is important to to build that leadership and to understand what it takes to build a leadership in that organization because it it doesn't just happen you know i i got a friend coach roger hughes Mm -hmm. who runs a football team here at stutson university and and he, he talks all the time about the importance of building the culture of your organization and how hard it is. And the Ar- and the army does a great job of building that culture. You know, but be- between its 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 uh, army values and and you know um, the the things that we hold true a- as support and defend the Constitution and all those things sure. that we support true. We do a great job of of doing it, but it doesn't come easy and it isn't it is. automatic. And no. No matter what organization, it isn't automatic. You have to work at it. Yeah. And I'd love to have that opportunity to help some companies work through that, not only by giving the, the presentation and maybe having, you know, having some people read the book, but a, a half-day seminar mm-hmm. where we can sit down and talk about what it means to not only be a leader, but then where do we go from here? How do you keep developing that leadership in your company and your organization? So sure. I would love to do that. And I think that's very important.
0: Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'll see what we can do to publicize it as part of this as well. So where, where do you, where do you think leadership goes from there? I mean, how do you, how do you start to build that culture within, within a company? Yeah. Is it ownership? Is it? Yeah. What would you say?
1: Yeah, I I think you got mentorship. You, You got to have senior leaders who are mentoring junior people. And I always tell people that. No, that's part of your job as a leader. Leaders mm-hmm. develop leaders; they don't develop followers. That's mm-hmm. not what leaders do. Uh, leaders develop good leaders. Develop leaders, and that's part of your job is to mentor the people that you think are going to be the next generation of leaders. You don't have time to mentor everybody. I mean, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's, and especially the bigger organization, the bigger the organization gets, the less time you have. And I, and I always yeah. use the philosophy that the army, that the military uses, and that's. The, the philosophy of three to five people.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You can ma- manage three to five people. I don't care how big of an organization the army is. You can talk about the chief of staff of the army. I promise you, mm-hmm. he is only managing about three to five people. <laughs> and then yep, they manage yep. three to five people and then they manage three to five people and that's how mm-hmm. it works. And you can do that in any organization, but you got to pick out the people that you think are the, are the diamonds in the rough the ones that are going to replace you someday. And that's your yep. job is to is to train the people who are going to replace yep. you. And I was just gonna, uh, so going to, it's one of my to... favorite
0: quotes is, is to you got to train the people that are going to take your job eventually. A- so, absolutely. Yeah.
1: Someday you are going to leave. That That's, yep. that's going to happen. And yep. so you need to make sure that the people are there. But so you've got to mentor people. That's one thing. Um, and then uh, the other piece of it that is building that culture is giving them the ability to make decisions mm-hmm. micromanaging is is evil I, mm-hmm. you know I, and i'm sure all of us anybody listening oh, here yeah. has had that happen to them <laughs> somebody will say hey tony do this for me and then when you start doing it they look over your shoulder and say yeah i wouldn't do it that way i would do it this mm-hmm. way and don't do that do this i always want to turn around and tell people then do it yourself yeah, yeah. you gave yeah. me the task let me do it i promise yeah. you I'll, I'll get it done but don't micromanage people. You got to give people the, the ability that, to, to do the things that you want. Now you can never delegate responsibility. That's yours as the yep. leader, yep. but you can delegate the authority of those people to do the things that, that, that you want them to do. And if, and if you do that, you'd be absolutely amazed at what they do for you. So yep. you, you got you to do that piece of it. You got to mentor people. You got to allow them to take charge and do some stuff and give them the authority to do so it mm-hmm. doesn't mean you don't go check up on them. And what I always tell people, look, I'm, I'm all about, you know, we're all going to fail. Yeah. Yeah. We, gotta, our, it's got to be okay, okay that they make, make mistakes. mistakes. Yeah. We're all going to make mistakes. I don't care who you are. There are no perfect people in this world. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, it's just, we're, we're all going to make a mistake. And as a leader, it's okay to let your people make mistakes. It's not okay to let them fail. Yeah. So yeah. You, that's your job is to make sure they don't fail. But I always tell people, and I had a four-star general uh, when I was working for him. He was a colonel, but he, mm-hmm. but he ended up a four-star general um, and was always one of my mentors. And he used to tell me, Oak, if you didn't make a mistake today, you probably didn't do anything. Yep, and yep, and exactly. that's okay. I yep. don't care if you made a mistake. What I care about is what do you do when you make that mistake? Mm-hmm. Do you try to sweep it under the rug? Do you blame somebody else for it? Do you try to hide it? or do you walk into my office and you say, Hey boss, I, I messed up and here's how we're going to fix it. Mm-hmm. Because that's what, in the end, that's what it's about. Um, so you gotta, you gotta, you gotta mentor people. You gotta give them the, uh, a responsibility to be leaders without micromanaging them. Mm-hmm. And then you gotta give people feedback. Uh, got, the communication has to be a two-way street. You mm-hmm. know, not, if you think, being a leader and communicating as a leader is you telling people what to do and how to do it and when to do it 24 hours a day, then you're not a leader. You're a dictator. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Leadership and communication in a leadership, a leader, a good leader has to have two way communication or you're not a leader.
0: And I think that's one of the things about the military that is uh, it is one of the biggest mis- misconceptions I've ever seen is that people think the military is exactly that, where it's the the general tells his colonels to go do this, and, and it gets all the way down to the company and platoons and things like that, and, you know, go take this hill, go do this, and and the soldiers will just do it like an automaton, and, and they, they won't have to understand, they won't have to have ownership right. of the results or anything like that, and yeah. they just think that's a military culture, and and you, know, you can probably attest it's couldn't be further from the truth. But. Oh, absolutely, and,
1: and I always tell people that's one of the reasons why our army is the greatest army in the world, is because we empower people at the lowest level to make decisions, um, mm-hmm. the people who are on the ground looking at it, uh, so... You know I, I I always use the example and especially when I was in Australia teaching at their Staff College and I had officers sure. from Australia New Zealand Vietnam Laos Cambodia you know all over the southeastern uh, South, Southern Pacific and South South Pacific mm-hmm. uh, I always tell people that that's one of the things that allows us to, to do what we do is that at, in our army we have, sergeants who are making decisions that in other armies around the world, Fulberg colonels are making sure because, sure because we, we give them the authority to do that. Again, we, we don't, the responsibility is still mine. Yeah. If, if we mess up, I'm the, my name's <laughs> on the blind line. <laughs> yep, but, yep. but, but if you train your people, right. Yeah. Then you can afford to give them that authority. And, you know, and, and that leads you to another great quote by uh, Mr. Branson. And he says, you know, train your okay. people, well enough that they can leave and do whatever they want, but treat them well enough so that they don't want to. Exactly. But, yep. it, but your job as a leader is to train your team, is to hmm. build that that team so that it is the best team out there. Um, so so that's all part of that culture as well is mm-hmm. building that
0: and trust and is a big part of that. I would imagine. Oh, too. absolutely. And,
1: and trust is is, is huge. Um, mm-hmm. If 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 you can't if your team doesn't trust that you have their best interest at heart then they are not going to do the things that you need them to do. And, and you know, in the Army, again, you know, unlike most professions, you know, we're talking about people's lives a lot of time. Yep. And I've seen it. If your soldiers trust you, you can tell them to go take that machine gun nest and they're going to do it. Hmm. You know, when, when human nature tells them to lay down on the <laughs> ground. Yeah, yeah. If they know that you that you are a good leader and that you have their interest at heart, and yep. that we got to get the mission done, then they will do whatever you ask them to do. And I think that's mm-hmm. the same way in the civilian world. Um, I know it is because it was at the food bank, even though I didn't have to ask them to do stuff like that. Yep. You know, other things that we ask <laughs> them to do. If you're taking care of them and they trust you, then they will do what you ask them to do. Yep.
0: Well, and I think it's also how you frame, it might be also how you frame things. So as the company commander, you may not tell the squads exactly what to do. That's up to them to figure out because you've empowered them to do that, but you're going to tell them what the objective is. And it's kind of a two-way street, I would guess.
1: Absolutely. I, I, I always tell people, you know, rather than micromanaging, um, you know, and, and I had a, another boss who used to tell me, "Oh, you know, when you start, start dealing with, uh, with micromanaging and te- giving people instructions and, and letting people do stuff. Then you got the scale to you know, on either end of the scale, you know, mm-hmm. you, you got communism, you know, you're telling them exactly <laughs> what to do, when to do micro evil of micromanaging. And, sure. and on the other end, you, you have basically Attila, the hunt, you know, you're letting whatever happens happens. And he says, you, you want to be closer to the Attila, the hunt, you know, still have some control but mm-hmm. but you want to be closer to that way so that they can make make some decisions so that there's some freedom,
0: freedom in there yep. Yep.
1: but i always tell people when i when i task somebody to do something i use what i call the objective and guidepost. i, I say okay boys and girls this is what i want it to look like in the mm-hmm. end yep. that's your objective yep. i don't care how you get there <laughs> here are the left and right limits your guideposts mm-hmm. you can use this much money you can use these people you can use these resources you have this much time now go do it. Now that doesn't sure. mean I don't check up on them once a week or whatever, you know, in, with an in-progress review or during a staff meeting or whatever. But sure. but I pretty much let them go and do whatever they're going to do unless they have questions. And I don't care how they got there. Mm-hmm. I don't. And if probably wouldn't have been the way I got there, but who cares? As <laughs> yeah. long as I get what I wanted.
0: Yeah. What? How? How do we? Why do we care how they got mm-hmm. there? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the it's... problem is.
1: That if you don't do it that way, if you micromanage people, then you are affecting your organization for the rest of the time that that person that you're micromanaging is in your organization. That's the evil of micromanaging because you are cheating that person out of an experience that they can no longer pass on to somebody else. So as long as that person is working for you, then you are cheating everybody who works for him out of that experience. Absolutely. yep,
0: yep. So you mentioned mentoring, you mentioned uh, 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 giving your teams that leadership cap- capacity and things like that. What else goes into leadership for you? Yeah, building that team.
1: And, you yeah. know, and I, I'm, I'm a firm believer, you know, I, I believe in winning. You know, I know that's a concept in today's world. That is,
0: you know, <laughs> Participation but, trophies, come on. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. you know, and
1: I believe in winning. I mean, that that is, it's important and to be the best at whatever it is you do. And part of your job as the leader is to build that team that is gonna be the best at whatever it is that you're doing. And, you know, and I, I, I have, I've heard people say, and I've had people say to me, you know, well, I, don't, I don't compare myself to anybody else. I just compare myself to myself. I said, well, in the fantasy world, that might work. Yeah. But in the real world, bosses compare you with other people who are doing the same job you are, whether you like it or not. That's, yeah. that's how we decide who gets promotions. That's how we decide who gets raises. That's how we decide all those things. And, and you can believe that that's not true if you want, but you're in, living in fantasy land. Yeah. So we have to build organizations and teams that win, that mm-hmm. are good at what they do. Mm-hmm. Whether you call that winning or just doing the, the right things that they need to do to be mm-hmm. good at what they do. Because, you know, in, in, the, in the corporate world, if you don't do that, you're not going to be in business very long. Exactly. Yep. Um, yep. So, so we got to do we got to get to that point where we're doing that. And part of that is um, is training people. You know, mm-hmm. you, you pick the best people. And, and again, you know, I, I'm a firm believer in diversity, but not in diversity's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't believe that you will go out and say, OK, I'm going to go out and build a team and I'm going to have one person's going to be white and one's going to be black yeah. and one's going to yeah. be Hispanic and one's going to be a female and one's going to yeah. just yeah. the best people. And, and, you know, you want a, di- a device, diverse organization, mm-hmm. but diversity for diversity's sake mm-hmm. doesn't help anybody. It doesn't help your organization. It doesn't help the team, it doesn't help you. And it certainly doesn't help the people you think you're helping. Mm-hmm.
0: So you know, we, that's we, one of the things that I, I love about the Army and, and the military in general. It was one of the first parts of America to integrate after as, as part of part of everything. So it's definitely been something that uh, has been part of the culture, at least from my perspective on looking in from the outside anyway.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It is. I, I tell people that all the time that, you know, the Army has always been one of those forward looking uh, organizations that gives people we look at talent that's what we look mm-hmm. at you know i in in our army rotc program we have this thing called a Ranger of challenge team it's a yep. two-day very competitive very uh uh physical event and we have a, a tryout for it and mm-hmm. anybody in the program all 388 cadets can come out and try out if they want and we pick the best people we put together two teams each team is nine people Primary with two alternates. So 22 people get picked to hmm. be. And we don't care if they're all seniors, all juniors, all sophomores, <laughs> all freshmen, all male, all female, all white, black, green, pink, or purple. We yep. don't care. Yep. We want the best people. And because of that, this last year we, we put together two teams and they finished first and ninth out of 59 teams. Awesome.
0: awesome. And then
1: they went up to West Point. And they finished
0: sixth out of 44 teams. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like round two. So it's the winners from the other That's competitions. Right. Exactly. That's yeah. Right. Yep. That's awesome. Yeah. And UCF is not necessarily a big, big, big school, is it? I mean, it's a division one school, but it's not a necessary. No, so, so embry Riddle is. Or Emory, not... em, sorry, embry Riddle. Yeah. Emory yep, Riddle yep. only has,
1: we only have 5,000 students at embry yeah.
0: Riddle. Um,
1: and, you know, but it does have our program is made up of tests for four different schools. Um, okay. okay. Scottsdale okay. University, Bethune-Cookman okay. University, Riddle and Daytona State College. So between all of them we got probably about 10,000 students. To okay
0: up. okay but that's Unless still you, that's yeah, still basically
1: 61,000 students. I mean. Yeah
0: yeah exactly. My Division Three college that I went to in La Crosse, Wisconsin was 10,000 kids so you wow. know yeah. <laughs> right which they do have an excellent RTC program as well. It's one of the yeah, better ones in the Midwest. So
1: yeah. Yeah. Good.
0: Yep. Yeah. Um, so where, where do you take leadership from there with the people you talk to? So I, I think, you know,
1: there are a couple things that, that you gotta, gotta be able to do. No doubt about it. If you want to be a leader, you have to be able to communicate. Mm-hmm. So you've got to develop your leadership skills, uh, your communication skills and that, and that's across the board. That's speaking. That's, um, writing that is your body language, whatever, you know, and one of the examples I give is I go around, I still go around and talk to high school students because I do the recruiting for the program mm-hmm. and, you know, I'll go to a high school and I will give the exact same presentation seven times sure. throughout the day. One day, sure. you know, each class I give the exact <laughs> same presentation. And I always tell my wife, when I come home, I feel like I've been beaten with a baseball bat, you know, and, and I thought at first I was thinking, well, why? I, Cause all I'm doing is standing there talking, but, I'm not just standing there talking, I'm on display. And so I'm always making sure that, you know, I'm looking yep. the part, all those things that you have to do. And that's all part of communications. If you can't communicate, you can't be a leader. And, and I've, I've had people, I've talked to people and they said, well, I just, I can't get up in front of people and talk. And I said, well, you can,
0: yeah.
1: if you want to. I said, but if you can't, uh, if you decide that you can't, if you let your fears get the best of you, then you mm-hmm. will never be a leader.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that was some of the growth my son had because when he started in Boy Scouts, he's like, I don't want to be a squad. I don't want to be a patrol leader. I don't want to be any part of the leadership in, in Boy Scouts. But then by his junior and senior year in high school, he was in charge of running the mar- one of the people in charge of the marching band of 190 kids uh, yeah. at, at the school. So That's being cute. out in front of everybody and, and things like that. And he wanted that. He, he That was a role that he loved and wanted and and wanted to be there so i get I get you exactly what you're talking about
1: yeah and and I think I think it builds on itself you know mm-hmm. when and that's one of the reasons why I tell people never turn down a chance to be a leader because every time you do it and you you're gonna learn more which then will make you a better leader and every yeah. time you do well then it, it drives you to be a leader again and and mm-hmm. use the things that you learn and 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 it's all about putting a you know All those experiences in the back of your head, and at some point being able to pull them out and say, Well, I remember, you know, you're probably never going to be in the exact same situation, but you're going to be in a situation similar that you can say, You know, I had a boss who did this, and and it goes both ways. You can say, I'm never going to do that, or I had a boss that did this, and if I just tweak it a little bit and do this, then that's going to work for me in this situation
0: sure sure But the other part the other part of that
1: is that you know the communication piece again it's a two-way street and one of the things i always tell people is that you know i've always been pretty successful about when i would have something i had to do i'd walk in and and pull all my my junior leaders in to in in with me and i'd say okay guys gals this is what we got to do here you go give me some ideas and i had another mentor who who've, uh, who retired a four-star general who told me, Oak, a good idea is a good idea, whether it comes from a private or a general. So the lowest exactly. ranking person in the army or the highest ranking person. And then he'd say, and a bad idea is a bad idea <laughs> it comes from a private or a general. Sure, um, sure. But you can learn just as much from somebody doing something badly or poorly or doing something dumb as you can from somebody who's doing something well and, and never turn down those chances to learn yeah. from other people. Cause that is, that's one of the ways we develop our leadership skills.
0: And I can, I, I for me, it's, it's, uh, do you have the humility to listen to those that are lower in the food chain from you? and And can you set your ego aside? Cause I mean, to advance in any organization, you have to have some level of ego at some point, but it's, can you, can you keep it in check? Can you keep it internal to yourself as can you talk about that for a second or? Yeah, so I, you know,
1: and, and I, get, I get people and in my business of recruiting, you know, young men and women, we get some people that come in that are pretty confident. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and I,
0: that line between cocky and confident, right? <laughs> I, absolutely. I, I, I get accused of crossing that line on occasion. But,
1: but I always tell people, you know, when, I, when somebody says that, I said, look, if he doesn't think he's good, why should I think he's good? Exactly. You gotta have some of that, otherwise mm-hmm. you're not gonna be as good as you can be. But, but there is that line, and you gotta make sure that you stay on, on the other side of that line. But, but having said that, you know, wh- one of the things that you gotta understand is that you don't have all the answers. And, mm-hmm. and, and as a leader, you're, you're, if you're not using everybody in your organization, then you're relying on only your knowledge and your experience. And I'll give you an example of when that really came to came to me. I was oh, a brand new lieutenant. <laughs> I was a platoon leader. I was just, just getting ready to be a platoon leader. I came to the unit um and my unit was already out in the field uh doing a, a, a dismounted live fire exercise. And uh my company commander took me out there, I got selected. There were three lieutenants, and I got selected to, to get the one platoon that was. That was available. So he takes me out and he introduces me to my platoon sergeant. And uh Sergeant <laughs> First Class Pinson And and Sergeant First Class Pinson. This was what
0: this was what year? This was what year? 1987. Okay, so um, was he a Vietnam vet or not? Yes, yeah, he was. Okay. Yeah. Wow. And, so Grizzled doesn't go yeah, quite far enough so, to
1: so he I'm, I'm five foot <laughs> eight, five foot nine. Sergeant First Class Pinson was six foot six. Okay. And uh and he, and he says, come on over here, sir. He said, let's go. Let's walk over here. We'll sit behind <laughs> underneath this tree and we'll eat our, uh, our lunch. And so we we're sitting there eating an MRE. And he said to me, he said, he said, listen, sir, you're in charge. He said, you're the platoon leader. You're the boss. <clears throat> we will do things the way you want to do it. Hmm. He said, but I have been in the army for 23 years. I was 25 years old. <laughs> He'd been in the army almost as long as I've been alive. Yep. And he said, I've seen it done every which way you can imagine. He said, and I will tell you if you're messing up. He said, if you still want to do it that way, we will do it that way because you are the boss. He said, but I'm going to tell you if you're messing up. And I will tell you right now that that I give him credit for helping to develop me into the young leader that got me started on the right path. That's and awesome. uh, and he, he, he was not afraid to walk up to me and say, hey, John, <laughs> That's pretty stupid. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to, you might want to rethink that. And every time <laughs> he said that I stopped and rethought it because again, he had all kinds of experience that, that uh, yeah. for me to think that I had all the, all the answers is just insanity. So if you're not using everybody's experiences, then you're, mm-hmm. then you're cheating yourself in that organization. And w- what I always tell people that generally what happens with me is when I walk in and I throw it out there and say, okay, what, here's what we got to do, give me some ideas, is that I'll take a little bit from this person, a little bit from that person, a little bit from this person. I'll take some from my opinion, and I'll put that all together, and we'll come up with this answer. You know what the great thing about that is? Is that now everybody buys into it. Because it isn't Lieutenant Colonel McCullough's solution, or Captain McCullough's solution, Mm -hmm. or Oak McCullough's solution. It's our solution. And now they all buy into it.
0: Yep, and even if some of the things that those people – like you said before, if they're doing something different than how you might do it, but it's 95% of the 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 same thing, who cares? I mean, yeah. it's, then they, then you get that buy-in, like you said. Uh,
1: absolutely, and you know, and you're not going to use everybody's ideas all the time. And like like the general who told me, you know, a good idea is a good idea, a bad idea is a bad idea. You know, so, somebody you think is going to, you know, one of your top performers one day may give you one of the worst ideas you've ever heard in your life, and that's okay. Um, and somebody who's not one of your best performers may on that day, give you the best idea that you've ever heard. So, yep. you know, some days you'll use their ideas, some days you won't, but mm-hmm. at least you asked. That's yeah. the key you asked. Yep.
0: And you're listening to the whole team and not just your one or two favorite people or, or plain favorites or anything like that. Right. Yeah. That's right. So did you, did, uh, the army ever put you in kind of no win scenarios or, or to just to see how you handle failure?
1: Now, I, I don't know that I, I've ever been, I can't say that I've ever been in a no-win no scenario. Um, okay. There have been some tough, I've been in some tough scenarios. I mean, one of them wasn't even, I mean, it wasn't combat, but I'll, I'll tell you one of the toughest things was when I got deployed to uh, Charleston for Hurricane Hugo. I, you know, I was an infantry officer. I, I knew yeah. how to kill people and blow stuff up. That was what I get paid
0: to do. <laughs> you're not an MP. You're not any of that stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now they put me in
1: charge of a warehouse and I was like, a warehouse? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? What's a warehouse? I, I didn't know how to run a warehouse. I learned very quickly and my soldiers sure. adapted amazingly. I mean, I, I said, okay guys, this is what we got to do. And th- we quickly figured it out and, and we did it. But, but it was, that was a tough thing was mm-hmm. coming, uh, trying to figure that piece out how do we do that? How do we keep track of things coming in and going out and where do we put it to make it yeah. the most um, efficient? And, and, you know, we made some mistakes, but we
0: figured it out and we did it. So do you see, uh, speaking of that, do you see like resiliency and adaptability being a big part of leadership as well? Yeah. And not, and not just
1: leadership, but also followership as well. Sure. But, you know, you gotta be a good follower before you can be a good leader, but, but you gotta be resilient, you know, uh, Hal Moore, who, you know, uh, was the, the mm-hmm. author of Love that movie. Soldier's yeah. Once and Young, yeah. And, uh, you know, had that huge battle in Vietnam, one of the first mm-hmm. American battles. Um, he always used to say, there's, "There's life is not like baseball. It is not three strikes and you're out. He said, mm-hmm. you just keep trying and trying and trying until you get it, until something works. He said, mm-hmm. you know, if you try something and it doesn't work, try something else. If that doesn't work, try something else. And that's sure. that part of being a leader. And, you know, Napoleon who, you know, still one of the greatest generals Absolutely. Yep. in the history of the world. Um, he used to say, you know, a, a leader is somebody who, who gives people hope. No matter what the situation, no matter how bad things look, you as a <laughs> leader have to give hope. And if you hmm. can do that, then, then that's part of it.
0: Not sure there was a, lot, a whole lot of hope in his Russian campaign, but, you yeah.
1: know. <laughs> there at the end, there wasn't much hope. And I don't, I don't think he could even, I don't even think he could uh, yeah. muster that one.
0: Yep. Yep. So if the listeners haven't heard much about that, go read up on it and you'll see what I mean, but yeah. 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 Um, so what else, what else goes into leadership for you? Is there anything else to add to that?
1: Yeah. So one of the things to go along with, you know, bringing up Napoleon um, is I always talk about communicate with communications um, that you have to have somebody that you can bounce an idea off of. And Napoleon, sure. i always use, use his example. He always, when he was on a battlefield, he'd have a, He's sitting on his big white horse and he'd be commanding <laughs> the battle and before he'd issue out an order to his generals he had a corporal a low-ranking soldier who would stand right next to him and he'd issue him the order and he'd say okay young man tell me what i just told you in your own words. what i tell you to do and if he could do that then he gave the order to his generals True. if he didn't then if he couldn't then he would figure out that it could be misunderstood that old adage, "If it can be misunderstood it will be Yep. so he would start over and I always tell people you've got to have that Napoleon's corporal you've got to have that person that you can bounce ideas off of who are not afraid to hurt your feelings it can't exactly. be somebody who's an yes man yeah. uh, it's got to be somebody who is not afraid to hurt your feelings. And I, who you is that
0: me, for you besides your sergeant first class?
1: My wife Yeah, you know, I, I, okay. I don't know how many times I come home <laughs> and say, I say "Hun, you know what I'm going to do tomorrow and she'd say what and I'd tell her and she'd say are you stupid? <laughs> Well, I didn't think so, but maybe, you know, <laughs> she wouldn't say it exactly like that, but she'd say, yeah. you know, that's probably not a good idea, you know, you, you got to really rethink that one, and, and yeah. she saved me from doing some pretty stupid things over the years.
0: Yep, 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 that's a great, uh, that's a great lesson for uh, listening to your wives and, and taking advantage of their perspective, because they know you probably better than you know yourself sometimes. Oh, and, absolutely, yep. and they know your
1: strengths and your weaknesses, too, yep. so, you know, some, something that you were planning on doing that may not be right in your, your powerhouse, you know, maybe you need to rethink that and, may, and they can probably tell you that. And they will tell you that if, if they, you know, like my wife, like I said, the same thing when I write something, you know, c- written communication, when, before I send it, anybody or let anybody see it, I give it to her and it comes back all red, <laughs> blood all over it. But, sure. you know, but, but she, she keeps me from sending out, you know, silly stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so, so I think that's part of it. The communication piece of it is very, very
0: important. So do you have one example of where you probably, where you might've struggled the most as a leader or, and, and kind of how you recovered from it? Anything you can think of? Uh, if not, that's okay too, but you know.
1: Yeah. I, I, I don't get asked that question. I don't know really, that I've ever been asked that question. Okay.
0: Uh, like you know, I try to be different. So, you know, yeah, <laughs> I,
1: I, I, I know I've, I, I've, I've, I, I will tell you uh, when I took over the food bank, okay. uh, when I took over as the, Operations off again, I knew nothing about a food bank, so I was mm-hmm. trying to learn it as I was going along. And uh, and you know, I, I was trying to, you know, p- part of being a leader is motivating people, and sure. uh, and so I was, I was trying, to, to, trying to figure out what it is to motivate people because I just could, you know, in the army, it was easy. I'd yeah. walk into my soldiers and I'd say, Okay, we're we, we kill people, we blow stuff up, we defend the Constitution of the United States, we defend the American way of life let's go. Yeah. Motivated. Never had a problem getting <laughs> motivated. Yeah. You know what? That didn't work at the food bank.
0: Yeah. Was it a lot of volunteers in the food bank as well? And there were
1: some volunteers and there were some people there that had been there a long time and mm-hmm. wanted to do things the way they'd always done it. And so I was, I was struggling. And then one day in a meeting, we were sitting there and we were trying to figure out this Food handout that was big, huge, one of our biggest ones of the years that we did every year. And we're trying to figure it out. Uh, and it was about three weeks out. And about four o'clock in the afternoon, people, I saw people closing their notebooks and getting ready to leave and standing up. And I said, well, What are you doing? We're not done. And they said, Well, it's four o'clock. It's time to go home. And I said, But we're not done. We still have things <laughs> to discuss so that we get this thing right. And they said, But it's time to go home. And I said, Okay. I said, Whoever wants to leave, leave. But before you leave, let me make one thing perfectly clear. Three weeks from now, when we mess this up, and some nineteen-year-old, unmarried young lady goes home and can't feed her two-month-old baby or a year-old baby mm-hmm. because we didn't get this right, it's your fault. Yeah. How many people you think left?
0: None of them. Yeah. Zero.
1: Figured yeah. it out. Yeah. And, and so that was, you know, I was struggling. Uh, you yeah. know, it probably took me about two two months or so to figure out what, what, you know, and, and then, you know, you think it's, well, that's pretty simple, but when you're in those situations, sometimes it isn't. And I always tell people to figure out what's going to motivate your people. Yeah. Now I know after yeah. doing that, figure out what makes your organization unique. Mm-hmm. And that's probably what is going to motivate those that's people. Awesome. And everybody yeah. wants a sense of purpose. That's mm-hmm. why we do things is for that mm-hmm. sense of purpose.
0: Well, and probably some of those long timers may have forgotten a little bit about why they were there and you get so caught up in the mechanics of doing it day to day that it's easy to do. I mean, I can. It is. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So what else? I mean, where, where else do you take your leadership training with your, with the people you work with?
1: Yeah. I, I mean, I, I think that's the, the, the last piece of it that I guess I would, I would say is that you need to keep, continue to develop your leadership. Leadership is a journey is not a destination you don't wake <laughs> up one day and say i'm now the most perfect leader there is it doesn't that doesn't, doesn't happen we mm-hmm. can all get better all the time and it is a journey so you always have to continue to develop your leadership skills mm-hmm. and i tell people one of the ways to do that is to read books and, sure. and certainly autobiographies mm-hmm. um, and books about leadership um sure. sure and there are a lot of good leadership books out there um but what are a few you uh, might recommend
0: what are a few you might recommend? So one of
1: my favorite is, uh, is by Jocko Willing, uh, and it's uh, Extreme Ownership. And I yep. think that's one of the – uh, it is an absolute great book out there. And, uh, and I think it's easy to read. It, mm-hmm. And it certainly it has uh, – whether you're in the military or whether you're in business, it doesn't matter. I think it's a good one. Yep. Um, so I think that's probably the one I would recommend. Besides I've actually my,
0: reviewed that yeah. book on the podcast as one of, one of my it first is. episodes. Yeah. yeah, it's a great book.
1: It really is. Um, but but so read autobiographies, though, because that's because then not only are you learning what a great leader did, but you're learning why they did what they did, what decisions they made, how they made that decision, what was going through their mind when they made that decision. So, so read autobiographies, read leadership books. You know, uh, and, you know, and you know, and what I always tell people about my book, my leadership book is that it is not about theory. This is mm-hmm. everyday things that every leader, or every person can do to become a better leader. Um, theory is important and we need theory and we need to learn that and go to the classroom. But that's not what this book is about. It's about sure. getting out there and actually learning how to lead on a daily basis. So read everything you can read about leadership mm-hmm. um, and then never turn down a leadership position. Sure. Uh, like we discussed earlier. And then, uh, you know, just just continue to think about what it is that that makes you because because, because what works for me may not work for you. So mm-hmm. you've got to figure out what works for you. And the only way you're going to do that is to actually go out and do it and and be the leader. Because, again, I, we can sit in a classroom, and talk about it all day long for a year. Okay. But that, they not going to make you a leader. It's an uh, army guy lead. with
0: introspection and things like that. Come on. No, you can't have that. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> you
1: know, I actually got invited one time to sit on a, a council that was, that was developing a leadership cur- curriculum. And, sure. you know, and, and we were talking about all the great things that you got to have in the classroom and, and to develop mm-hmm. that. And then they were like, okay, we're done. I said, what? We're not done. I said, where's the hands-on piece? Mm-hmm. where are we in this curriculum now are they going to actually get to go out and do something yeah. and and use that stuff that we taught them in the classroom that's True. when they're going to become the leader not when they read it and sit in the classroom uh, and, and it took me a little bit but I finally convinced them that yeah you got to have some hands-on knockers <laughs> to it otherwise we're wasting wasting their time
0: yeah. And it can be, it doesn't really matter how complex it is, but um, yeah, I can absolutely see your point of if they're not actually trying to implement that and actually lead somebody, you're not going to know what words to use. You're not going to know what mistakes you're going to make, anything like that.
1: That's right. That's right. And, and again, we're all going to make mistakes. That, mm-hmm. Don't don't be afraid to make mistakes. That That's yeah. going to happen. Um, yeah. You know, again, it, you just got to make sure that when you do make that mistake, you own up to it. Because yeah. your name is on the blame line, and I always tell people, look, as a leader, you are responsible for everything, yep. everything that that organization does, good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you you've got to own it, uh, and that you know that's part of the extreme ownership that they talk yeah. about, and it is absolutely true. As yep. a leader, you have to own being the the person on that blame line.
0: Yep. Let me just uh, one more question to think of it, kind of in the extreme ownership line of thinking, but. A lot of what we talked about today was kind of leading down the chain. How did you lead up, up the chain to your commanding officers above yeah, that? I think it goes
1: back to the communication piece that we talked about where most people think that in the military and even in the business world, it's all a one-way street coming down. And yeah. it's not, and, and yeah. at least not in, for organizations that are successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to be brutally honest with people, and and I I can remember walking in my my boss's office a couple times and say, hey boss, that decision you made, that's a horrible decision, and this is the effect that it's having down at the at the sure. lower levels. And then you know some, and then I would usually get one of two reactions. Either they'd say, yeah, you know, you're right, let's fix that, or they'd mm-hmm. say, don't care, lieutenant, get out of my office, and we'll right. <laughs> Yeah, and, 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 that you gave know, you a good yeah.
0: state for the organization, right? I mean, but, as far as. And,
1: and you're going to get those those type of yep. leaders, unfortunately. Yep. Um, but but you know, a good leader, when you walk into their office and you tell them that something's wrong, then it's going to perk their attention, and yep. and and hopefully it will allow them to at least look at it. Doesn't mean that they're going to do what you want them to do, but at least you have gotten them to where they look at the problem and try to figure out a solution. And General Eisenhower used to say that when he had a problem he would get up and he'd walk a circle around his desk. And when he, if he didn't find the solution, the the, the, pro, the problem there, the cause of the problem, he'd walk a bigger circle. So he'd walk the de- the offices outside his office and then sure. if he didn't find it, he'd walk a bigger <laughs> circle. And, and I always tell people, the reason he got up and walked around his desk is because he might have been the problem. Yeah, sure. And again, going back to your ego thing, where we talked about ego, you gotta be able to put your ego away and say, you know yeah. what?
0: I didn't do a good job there. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So yeah, get out there, practice leadership, study, uh, uh, learn, learn what your strengths and weaknesses are, all those things, right? That's right. Yep. That's right. So his book is your leadership legacy, legacy, becoming the leader you were meant to be. It's available hardcover paperback and Kindle and, uh, uh all through Amazon. Um, you also have a website, I believe. Also correct. I do. Uh,
1: my okay. website is oak. So, LTC Oak McCullough, dot um, yep. com. And and on there, not only can you, it has a link to take you to the Amazon site to buy the book if that's what you want to do. But it okay. also has my lectures that I give. Uh, I've got got probably about nine or ten. Uh, presentations that I give, I give the leadership presentation. I give how to be successful. I have some history, um, yeah. presentations to, that I give. I, I have my, my personal experiences in the first Gulf war and in Kosovo. Um, oh, awesome. So, awesome. so there's all kinds of things on there that I can, that, um, that if you want me to come give one of those, I'm happy to do so. And you can, you can, uh, sure. contact me through there. You can also su- subscribe. And I just put, started putting out, um, my, I just put out my second blog oh, it okay. goes, Great. goes to the people who are subscribed to my uh, site. Uh, so, so, you know, if you subscribe then you'll get things that that I'm not putting out other places.
0: Sure. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. We'll definitely publicize that all as part of it. And, and uh, I love the book and I love the ideas that you've got in there. And I really appreciate your 23 years of service to the country and your continuing service. It, it It's not like you're not serving right now helping to groom the next round of leaders for, for this country. So I really appreciate all of that.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you, Tony. I appreciate you having me on the show. I really, really, uh, it it was, it was great to be on the show and it's great. Like I said, this is my passion. You know, this is not, this is, this is not about, uh, this is about me getting the message out on developing our leaders because we need to develop the leaders of tomorrow because Mm -hmm. They're going to, at some point, old people like us are going to <laughs> turn around and say, okay, yep. young man, young lady, you're now in charge, and hopefully you do better than we did. Exactly. And the only way they're yeah. going to do better than we did is if we train them right.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. So thank you so much for being on the podcast, and and I uh, wish you the best of luck. And people, pick up the book, take a look at it, and uh, and apply the lessons that he's got in there.
1: Thanks, Tony. I appreciate it.
0: Yep, thank you. Thank you.